I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It can be that you're scared of one particular element. It can be that you're scared of it for yourself or it for the baby. I think I was just scared of all of it, to be quite honest. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and I'm Ellen and this week we're talking to Lorna Cook. She's an author and she also has tocophobia, which is the fear of childbirth. Despite that, she has two children. So we're going to be talking to her about how she managed that and what it's like to have tocophobia in general. So, tocophobia. Mm. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about basically what that is and um, when you started being affected by it? Well, tocophobia, I only found out what tocophobia was when I was um, in like the final stages of my pregnancy, really. And the uh, consultant decided that's what he was going to call it. And I then had to kind of go away and Google it because I hadn't heard of it. It's basically fear of childbirth, but it comes in many different guises from being scared of various elements of it. And it, it can be that you're scared of one particular element. It can be that you're scared of it for yourself or it for the baby. I think I was just scared of all of it, to be quite honest. And I kind of found that when I was pregnant, but it went all the way back to when I was quite young and had my first taste of um, a sex education class. And it was cemented then, I think. So before you became pregnant, did you know that you had this fear? Yes, I didn't know what it was called. But yes, Mm. I, I didn't even know it had a name. I didn't think it was a real fear that other people had. I felt like it might just be me. But no, it's not. It does happen to other people. But yeah, no, it was just back when I was 10 years old. And I think that was when I realized it was part of a video. We watched a video, a sex education video. 
And uh, I don't think it affected everybody the way it affected me. But I realised then that if I was going to have a baby, it was not coming out through the usual way. What was this video about? Was it very graphic? Was it one of these sort of, um, what's it? Do you remember One Born Every Minute? Was it very sort of... So I couldn't watch One Born Every Minute. And so I've never seen an episode of it, but I do hear... I hear what it's like and no I I knew that I couldn't cope watching that it wasn't graphic but there was a lot of shouting and screaming and it was basically designed to it was a complete birds and the bees talk from you know menstrual cycles through to yeah it went through everything um and then we came away at the end of it with a free pack of tampax you know it was that (laughs) sort of strange here you go here's everything you need to know um and it, yeah, so it was very, it was a very odd, odd video, but there was a lot of screaming and shouting and then a sort of a voiceover and the screen would fade to black and sort of go, and this is how children come out. Um, and that was just, that was more than enough for me. That That's what set me off, I think. That does sound pretty scary. And to be honest, this is one of these phobias that I think a lot of people, well, I don't know about lots of people, but I certainly would kind of relate to. I don't have children, um, but I think a lot of people, it's, it seems fairly natural to be scared of childbirth because it does seem a pretty scary difficult. thing. and Well, a difficult thing to go through. But what's the difference between sort of me thinking, oh, that's probably a bit tricky or, you know, that seems like a, a pretty scary thing to do and the phobia that you have? It's a very good question. I have yet to meet somebody who's looking forward to giving birth. Um, <laughs> I, and I think people, I've been quite honest about it to people, but it took me a very long time to be honest about it to people. Um, and I think whenever it was mentioned, you know, when I was pregnant, when other people are pregnant, the other people say, oh, I'm really scared. I'm really scared. And of course I wouldn't, oh, you should be like, you should be scared. It's going to be awful. You know, it's like when you have a baby, everybody lies to you about what it's like anyway. You know, it's always, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, But I'm not really sure what the real difference is between that and what I had. Only I cried every time I thought about it. It ruined a lot of my early pregnancy because I, had to wait a long time for appointments to discuss it with anybody, uh, consultants or midwives. And so there was a huge fear that I think I built up more and more and more. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to go away. And I knew that it was so cemented that when eventually they, um, offered counseling NHS counseling, I, I almost laughed at them. I thought, this you, this is too too late for this now. We've gone far too far. The counselling is not going to reverse years of this mental anguish and damage. But how have you gone about tackling this phobia? Because if it's sort of gone back for so many years, it yeah, it's obviously sort of fairly ingrained. It is ingrained. I, I, I guess because I've had my two children now and I'm not going to have any more, <laughs> I am okay with it now, but I wouldn't... I wouldn't go through giving birth naturally were I to have a third baby. I mean, it's one of those things that isn't really spoken about. When you go to NCT classes, like childbirth classes and things, you know, I went to make friends, really. I didn't go to learn about how to give birth and what would happen because I, in my head, I was having a C-section. So I 
listened to the very frank stories and sort of put them away and thought, well, this isn't happening to me, so I don't really need to worry about this. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a really tricky one that nobody really talks about. And so tackling that fear is something that you you need to tackle by kind of shouting really loudly um, whenever you go for your appointments. If it's a genuine fear, real, real genuine fear, I'm not saying everybody should go off and have a C-section just because they fancy it, because that's not a walk in the park either. But yeah, it's not something that people talk about. So for me, I felt very alone. I felt like I must be the only person this is happening to because nobody else is saying that they're really, really, really petrified. What's really interesting to me is, so you have this phobia, it does sound really difficult, but you still, as you say, you've had children. Mm -hmm. So you had the phobia, but you still really were keen to have children as well. You weren't going to let that fear stop you having children. Where was the sort of point where you were just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to have children? And was it you that made the decision to have the C-section um, or was it the doctor? Where, where was? Can you tell us a bit more about sort of that period? Yeah. So I put off having my first child for, oh, I'm going to say about three or four years, I think. And in the end, it was my husband who very frankly sat me down and said, it's, you know, it's now or never. We're just going to have to get on with this. And I was very, very lucky in that we got pregnant very early on, which doesn't happen to a lot of people. When we found out that we were expecting a baby, obviously there was that huge element of happiness and oh, everything you go through when you see, you know, the pregnancy test after a few minutes and you see that lovely line. And then there was the sort of horrible crushing sort of feeling that you get oh when you know that it's going to be oh it was it was a horrible horrible feeling I still still remember it when I thought oh god this baby has to come out somehow um and one of the conversations we had you know you do everything right you you take your folic acid supplements and you know you live that happy oh I'm going to be a mum moment and then you know I there was always always it was like a half and half happiness and and panic about what what to do and and who do I tell and and you know what do I you know how do I go about this because I I I kind of researched what you know the options were and you hear these horrible phrases like too posh to push and uh and you think well I'm not too posh to push I'm too scared to push so how do I go about sorting that one out um and so then after that uh, well I went to the doctor's surgery and I am um, and they were kind of that was a strange thing I I went to a doctor's surgery who, and I said, oh, I'd like to see a midwife, I'm, I'm pregnant. And I think I changed doctors after this for a reason that will become apparent in a second when the uh, receptionist said to me, oh, that depends if you, you, don't, you might not see a midwife if you're not going to keep the baby. Strange thing to say. So I changed doctors promptly after that. That didn't help at all. And then I got, you know, I got a great midwife who was lovely and she really listened to me and and sort of said, okay, well, we will uh, we'll have a chat about this next appointment. And of course, that's, you know, it's a couple of months away. So you think, okay. So then you have to live with this awful, awful fear for a couple of months. And then the next time she realised I was very, very serious, very, very panicky. I'd been crying quite a lot thinking about it. And then she referred me for counselling. But, you know, you've been going through pregnancy for a good few months at this point and And then the counselling uh, appointment never came. I think there must have been some sort of clerical error. And then the next time I saw the midwife, she said, um, have you had counselling? I said, no, well, it's never it's never come. And I thought, I, I will. I know I'm not going to, I know it's not going to work, but I will play the game. I will go through the motions. And then the counselling appointments never came. And then she took me, took me very seriously and said, I'm going to refer you to a consultant because, it, you know, having a C-section is not something we just hand out. So I'm going to have to get somebody else 
um, to authorize it. So then I went to a consultant who was very unfriendly and uh, did not do well at putting me at ease. it's, It's one of those hard things. I think you have to be really loud and shouty when you want things like this when you feel you genuinely need things like this and I'm not naturally a loud and shouty person and so I think if you're quite a quite a, a quiet little soul I mean I'm not a quiet little soul either but I think if you are a quiet little soul and you really really feel this is you know what you want a c-section is what you want because you're petrified I do think the NHS doesn't make it easy for you and of course they don't make it easy for you they don't just want to hand these things out but it is I'm not sure they take very seriously. Um, And so that was a bit of a battle. Uh, And then that consultant said to me, well, I'm not going to decide today. So you're going to have to go away and I'm going to leave you to think about it. I thought, my God, I've been thinking about this (laughs) for the best part of two decades, you know. Um, And then when I came back after came back for the appointment, he was on holiday and I got a different consultant. And that consultant was just a godsend and he listened and he was he was on secondment from a from a hospital in Greece and he understood completely and was absolutely wonderful and fantastic and agreed. And oh God, I just felt like a completely different person. I complete I felt like I was having a completely different pregnancy, one that I could completely enjoy, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy, and know that at the end of it I was going to give birth the way I wanted to give birth and that I wouldn't enjoy a C-section. I don't think anybody enjoys major operations, but I knew that it was what I needed for my mental well-being. You've done this twice, which I think is kind of surprising because you have this phobia. Was the second time any easier? So the second time was easier because when you've had a C-section once, they let you have it again without any aggravation. So I knew that that was what was going to happen. So it wasn't the being pregnant that scared me. It was basically, uh, for want of a better phrase, the exit strategy. So <laughs> I knew that, I mean, having a C-section is is pretty tough going as well. The after effects, especially, um, you know, you can't walk very well for a long time. Um, there's a lot of pain, but that to me was more preferable than what I thought was going to happen to me if I went to the usual way. So yes, the second time was was much easier mentally because I knew I knew what I had in store. With the exit strategy, <laughs> as you put it, what about it specifically scares you? What about it scared me? All of it, I think. I think it was the pain of contractions mm. is fear of the unknown isn't it because I never had I've never had contractions so I, I I still don't know what they're like but it was the fear of the pain of contractions I have a really really low pain threshold but it was that and then it was the whole labor process it was the worry it was whenever you see a drama on tv birth is never easy and it's not meant to be easy but it would be nice if it was there's a lot there's a lot of screaming there's I've never heard a successful birthing story in that. Obviously, the, you know, I've heard lovely ones where babies are born and that's fantastic and they come out and everything's absolutely fine. But I've never heard one where a friend didn't rip terribly or have a lot of blood loss or some other horror. All the stories I think I had 
heard and I think dramas on TV don't do it any favours. So it was a very big combination of everything that I was frightened of. And I really felt I worried for the baby a lot. I worried for me a lot. I worried what would happen if the cord gets caught around her neck. What will happen if she gets stuck? Uh, you know, it, it, I worried for everything. Absolutely everything. With your friends, have you been able to hear about their kind of labour story? Is that too difficult? Um, from when I first worked out that you could have a C-section, you know, if you really, really pushed hard enough. Um, I could hear stories and I, it would just made, it just cemented it further. I just knew I couldn't do it, but I could hear them and not, you know, pass out or anything, but it was just, oh, that cringe shudder moment where you think, please, no, (laughs) please, no, I don't want this. I, I can't really compare it to anything other than the fact I'm frightened of flying or I still get in a plane, but you know, you just think, please, no turbulence please not today. <laughs> you know, mm. please don't drop from the sky. Not today. It's kind of, there's no, there's no other thing to compare it to, but I, I can hear stories now because I feel like I'm on the other side of it. I feel like I'm not having any more children. And so uh, the, I can hear stories and not be frightened. I can hear them and comfort people and think, Oh, that's awful, awful, awful. There is a part of me that wants to say, why didn't you ask for a C-section? But you know, <laughs> that's not very helpful. So I don't do that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's no, no, no part of it. No part of it is thrilling. Have you met um, many other or indeed any other people with tocophobia? No, I never have. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a rare breed. I think we're a rare breed. Um, no, I've met people who have been scared. I mean, my, um, I had a friend who, who I could tell, I haven't really been able to tell that many people. So you join NCT groups and, you know, childbirth groups and you make lovely friends. And I didn't tell any of them what I was doing. Even when we became really good friends and we talk about terrible things that were happening to us, I couldn't, I just couldn't tell them, oh, I'm having a C-section and here's the reason why. As You just get such judgment from a lot of people. So I didn't think it was worth it. And people try and talk you out of it as well. And so it's such a strange, I just realised quite quickly on that it's not something I could really voice because I was going to get a barrage of people judging and then people going, well, well why don't you just give it a go? You know? um, but so, yeah, friends who were really scared. I did have a friend who listened, who I told and afterwards and she said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm absolutely petrified. This is what I'm going to do. And she tried and uh, she, she's a lover, not a fighter. And so she didn't fight very hard and she didn't have the confidence in the um, meetings with consultants because she did get referred to consultants. Midwives took her seriously enough to uh, to send her on and she just didn't fight hard enough and they wouldn't let her. I felt awful for her. I thought, God, it is, it is, it it can turn, you know, on a sixpence. You you can, you can get a great consultant who will listen to you and watch you shake with fear and who will say, okay, it's fine. You can, we'll do this. Um, and you can get one who just rejects the idea and just says, no, you just have to go through with it like everybody else, which is not great for, <laughs> not great for how you're already feeling. It, it just does heap on rather a lot after that, I could imagine. Looking back now at that time and that sort of paralysing fear, mm. do you think that there's anything realistically that you could have done at that time to change your mind so you could have a natural birth if you'd wanted it, for example? Because um, for other kinds of phobias, um, you have things like hypnotherapy, various kinds of counselling. Do you think you might might consider something like that? Or is it 
just complete sort of completely off the cards? I did consider the counselling when they offered it to me. I certainly didn't say, oh, God, no, I'm not doing that. I did say, OK, fine, let's do it. I think it's a shame that there was a clerical error and I never got referred. I am not sure how successful it would have been because I felt like this fear was so deeply a part of me that it was going to take a lot of counselling sessions to to stop that fear um, enough for me to agree to go through with childbirth naturally. There is no way you can experience any that will, oh, I had to put this, uh, so compare it to the fear of flying. I think you have a lot of times with an actual pilot, don't you, they explain to you what goes on up in the air, why planes suddenly fall in heat pockets and then bounce back up and carry on as normal. And then, you know, you have enough of those sessions and then they put you on a plane and then you get to fly around with a pilot discussing how it all works. So you get to actually experience flying with, you know, with the pilot. You can't experience the childbirth to get you out of the fear of the childbirth unless you have childbirth so I couldn't work out how I was going to get out of this vicious circle of of desperate fear I just couldn't work out how counseling was going to do that have you been there for any of your friends no I don't want to want to witness mm. it I don't think I, I couldn't even watch one born every minute I just couldn't I wasn't even sure how graphic one born every minute was and it really shocked me that in my NCT group all of my friends going oh it's one born every minute it's only five minutes on our little chat and I thought oh god why are you doing this to yourselves yeah, why would you want to see yeah that? and I still don't know how graphic it is I I don't know if I could watch it now knowing I'm not going to have another baby could I watch it now I don't know it's a test I'll have to see I'll have to see <laughs> I haven't actually watched it. Yvette, is it graphic? I've seen it, but to be honest, I just found it a bit boring because I don't want to have kids and I wasn't interested. But um, I wasn't interested. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought it was fairly graphic. It There was a lot of the sort of shouting that you were talking yeah. about, you know, because it's a, it can be a very painful mm. experience. So for me, it wasn't particularly pleasant viewing. I think I sort of saw maybe one or two episodes. And I think the idea of it was that, you know, you're meant to focus on all the joy of the baby at the end, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is Mm -hmm. is lovely. But for me, I was just like, yeah, but you have to watch all that stuff beforehand. (laughs) But maybe some people will find it helpful because then they'd go into, you know, childbirth with more of an idea of what actually is going to happen. So that when it happens to you, you might have more of a rough idea. And I, I suppose maybe if I was going to think about having a baby, I would start watching a load of one one every minute so I could think, well, actually, you know, lots of other women have done this. Mm-hmm. They've been through it. You know, sometimes things might have gone wrong, but, you know, generally oh, everything's prepared. fine. And yeah, exactly. Even if things go a bit wrong, it's, it's usually fine anyway. So the reason yeah. I asked was actually, I was wondering if it would be helpful to see like a positive birth experience. Because mm. I know you mentioned that none of your friends have ever kind of reported back that it's been joyful and really pleasant but there are people in the world who have had that experience like I've spoken to someone who's uh, graphic but orgasmed during giving birth which I think is wild (laughs) but like good for them there's a lot going on down there isn't there while it's happening so you know it's feasible (laughs) yeah so I just wonder if you think that seeing a positive experience would have been helpful I don't know I can't can't tell Mm. you now I don't know whether I could have brought myself to watch it or 
Oh, I don't know. I hear about lovely, lovely stories where, you know, people don't take their partners in, they take their best friend in as their sort of surrogate doula. Yeah. And I think that's lovely for everyone involved as long as they can, they can deal with it. I don't know. They're just, and midwives are so calm. It's all very, there are calming factors to giving birth naturally. Everybody tries their very best. Nobody wants to run around shouting. Mm. But no, I, I don't know whether the odd story of oh it was lovely I just coughed and the baby came out would have done anything to eradicate mm. the remaining 99% of stories I'd heard which just sounded like hell on toast exactly and also because phobias aren't you know necessarily logical this one kind of is because we do know that childbirth is painful mm. but it's the same as like if you're scared of snakes and someone's like well I have a lovely snake at mm. home that's not going to fix no, it. No, it's not. No, <laughs> you're right. So what advice would you give to anybody listening to this who thinks, ah, yes, this is me. Finally, someone's talking about this and thinks that they might also have tocophobia. I think it's, I didn't take the decision lightly to do it. And so I think if you do have this fear and you know it's a genuine fear, it makes you shake, it makes you cry. Um, and it's ruining your experience of being pregnant because you look at this tiny, lovely thing inside you and think, oh, God, this is awful. I, this is not why is this happening to me. Then I think you need to be strong and you need to maybe take somebody with you. I think that's where my friend who got, you know, rejected, so to speak. I think she didn't have anybody with her on her side helping her fight her corner. And I think if you speak to a midwife and you you're very honest and you just have to say, you know, you just have to say exactly how you're feeling. You will have to go through the ropes. You will have to probably have counselling and you will have to talk to consultants multiple times. This is not something that they will get fixed within three or four appointments. You will have to keep going. I think if you genuinely feel the fear, then do speak up and do fight. You just have to be a bit of a fighter because I was told by a consultant, a very horrible consultant, that well, this will cost the NHS around £10,000 and we might bill you for it. And and I sort of, in a panic, thought, right, I'll get a loan. I'll, I can do that. I can I can do that if I get a loan. I think you really shouldn't be put through that. <laughs> if it's a genuine fear, you really shouldn't be told, you know, you might have to pay the NHS ten grand. you know. So you do have to fight, you know, in a nice way. But, you, you know, you're pregnant and it's stressful enough without having this kind of thing on your mind for months and months and months on end but um yeah be a yeah. fighter yeah and plenty of people have c-sections for all sorts of reasons don't they so it's, yeah it's, it's shocking you have to completely sort of fight for this battle for yeah it. battle for yeah it. you do i mean when i went in to have my baby and we had a pre-op appointment because it was all done so much more calmly when you know you're pre-booked for one and you get the date your baby's going to be born which is a very surreal um letter to open <laughs> they uh looked at the baby the midwife felt the baby and said oh you're spine to spine with your baby and i said but what what does that mean she said oh you know it would, it would be an interesting birth were you to do it normally and I thought well there we go then <laughs> I was kind of had that sort of um, validated a little bit but even then that wouldn't have been enough to send me for a c-section they'd have the midwife said no we'd have given that a jolly good go and then you know we'd have gone in for an emergency one and I thought oh golly why <laughs> why you know so yeah it's um yeah, it's not easy. You mentioned um, one of the stereotypes of the too posh to push mm -hmm. thing. Have you had kind of any judgment from other mothers for uh, having a C-section and specifically for having it because of your phobia? I, in the early days with my first baby, because I think I told a couple of people, you know, I'm having a C-section and, you know, people who were 
like know people I didn't know that well and probably shouldn't have told. Um, but I didn't tell anyone in my NCT group until afterwards, um, long afterwards, years afterwards. In fact, my daughter's eight. I think I only told her when she was about five. Um, but yeah, no, there was judgment because people can't comprehend the phobia. I mean, I didn't even know it was it had a name. I didn't know it had a name until the lovely consultant who approved it actually told me, I'm going to call this tocophobia on your form. Is that OK? I said, oh, I don't know. What does that mean? He said he told me. I thought, oh, OK. Gosh, now I've got a word I can go and Google. But yeah, no, there is judgment. I think they do think it's too posh to push. It, but it's one of those, you don't want to stand there and say to somebody, right, here we go. I'm going to inform you for 20 minutes about why I'm doing this. I shouldn't have to inform you for 20 minutes about why I'm doing this. But you, I felt really, in the end, I just started lying, which... <laughs> It's, it's a bit of a strange way to go, but people would say, oh, why are you having a C-section? And go, oh, baby's breech, you know. Like I told nurses that in mm. the end. And they said, oh, you know, when you go through appointments with your newborn, and they say, oh, but a normal birth. And go, no, C-section. And go, all problems. And go, yeah. And think, I don't, I'm not going into this. I'm not going into this with you. Mm. No, you shouldn't no, have to kind of defend that decision. How many nurses and midwives afterwards did sort of go, oh, really you know and it was an interest but it was a sort of oh you freak sort of interest um and so in the end I said no you know she was breech I'm just sort of saying she was a breech baby and that's why I went for a c-section and they bought that so I stopped having to lie found it easier strange really isn't it that you're going to resort to these things but it was just too too horrible afterwards to be a new mummy and to be struggling with everything about breastfeeding and everything that comes with that and sleepless nights and then to have midwives turn up to your door and, and sort of then judge you because you've had a c-section because you're scared. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123 or go to samaritans.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a rate and review on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at MentallyYRS and join our Facebook group where we chat about all things mental health. It's just called Mentally Yours. Thanks very much to our producers, Sam Bonham and Juliet Nichols and to Lucy Baker for our jingles. See you next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.